Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a f***ing shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f***ing houses for f***ing years. So we've Super Saturday, lads. All uh, football games are being played this Saturday. So they're giving the club finals until Sunday exclusively. And I think that's fantastic. Like, I mean, we've already talked about the the club games being diluted into the inter-county season. So the idea that you'd split some of the inter-county games Saturday and Sunday and completely dilute them all together like they mean nothing. I saw some journalists giving out on Twitter about it. Oh, we can't cover all this. I said, you don't worry about that. You just cover the game that you're going to cover. Yeah. And you don't worry about how many games are on. The club deserves the Sunday, Paddy's Day, which is always the case, um, on their own. Interestingly, on Saturday, two games that's on on Saturday night on air. Dublin versus Tyrone, Kerry versus Mayo. I'm sick of Dublin already and I'm sick of Mayo already. <laughs> Just They're on the television too much, both teams. It's going to be a it. long year. Will I've it? seen enough of them. Just I've give the people what they want. Will I, I can't blame Air for choosing these two games because, like, I mean, it's a commercial uh, station and they're the biggest games on paper. You'd just love to see a bit more variety. We've said it before anyways, down the divisions. Kerry Mayo will be, will be excellent. Um, Dublin Tyrone will be good as well for other reasons. They're clashing, so you're either going to watch one or the other or tape one. Um, and that's it but it's no surprise here isn't it though like Mayo and Dublin are the cash cow so the TV <laughs> mm. stations want them the GEA wants them and that's just the way it is 
Yeah, I'm, I imagine it's a ratings thing. It's like the like uh, Man United and the FA Cup. Everyone gives out when Man United are on BBC every time the FA Cup comes around, but it's because they draw in the, the massive viewers. But I agree with yeah. you in terms of the variety because even as a Mayo supporter, it's been so handy for me this year. Like There was a couple of times I would normally go to Casabar for like a few league games like uh, during the National League. And this year, uh, the weather has been a bit crap. Yeah. And I'm only like half an hour away from Casabar, but Asher, listen, it's on TV. Why not just stay at home? You know, that kind La- of way, so. Last Saturday night, Leash were playing Limerick the All-Ireland Champions in the Hurling in Moore Park it's like five minute drive for me now I had to mind the children but I could easily have maybe made another arrangement and I said oh, it's on television so I can yeah. make a yeah. grand yeah. here yeah. So, so it definitely does affect people showing up yeah like the, there's some good games on as well on Saturday but to be honest if they were showing say Armagh Fermanagh or Cavan Monaghan ahead of either of these games I'd be like ah I'd rather be watching maybe Dublin on Air Sport 2 yeah, you know, that's, yeah, that's there for the Division 2, Division 3, Division 4 kind of games. Although Division 4 is completely sewn up, that's done. So, But there's, there are good games in the other one. You just like to know what. We're only talking about Mayo Kerry in Dublin so far on the podcast because we can only react to what game was on television. So you're kind of snookered a little bit. And then, of course, we get Donegal and Armagh. And it turns out to be such a poxy yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we can read nothing into this. <laughs> We're not getting any luck here. So Sean Powder is on the show today, lads. Connor, you'll remember him. Connor yeah. and Conan obviously are here um, in studio with me. You'll remember him from that game down in the Gaelic grounds where he was outstanding and really drove Cork back into mm. the game that day um, against Mayo. And he was outstanding against Kerry in the Munster final in the game before that. I think Cork might have had a game in between the two. No, maybe not. It came straight from that against Mayo. And uh, he's on the show. Like, I mean, he's had a nightmare year. So he yeah. he obviously was picked for international rules that year, was nominated for Young Player of the Year that year, and then got a hamstring injury against Tipperary at the very first game in Parky Cueve. Um, it was on the television and he tore his hamstring out for three months and the three months turned into a year. Yeah. So we're going to yeah. talk to him about that and how the hell that's happened or, you know... Um, what his story is because Cork Cork are definitely every year you talk about Cork they've won 521 titles in the last nine years in Munster like when you look at Fermanagh doing well and you look at other counties doing well with no underage success like Cork are a yeah. basket case really when you think about oh, five, this is with Kerry in the same province they've won five of nine they've won more than Kerry Yeah, and at their senior level they're just going backwards you'd almost think Jesus well Cork they haven't been winning at underage in a long time so yeah. Yeah, it's the opposite yeah I saw that too and then I looked at the uh, the minor record and they haven't actually um, they haven't won a minor since 2010 and I think they've only been in two finals two monster finals since then so while I thought with, obviously with the five uh, under 21 titles in, in, in this decade that they're doing something right but then there's a disconnect there somewhere between minor and under 21 but yeah. but that's the thing like you'd, you'd wonder how much of a how much of a kind of decline this is because like the thing about Cork is that there's uh, th- there's 260 clubs I think in Cork and like while Hurland is always going to be the big dog like it's unthinkable to me that Cork senior team wouldn't be competitive at senior level so but this like every year you think it's a hiccup and it's a hiccup and it's a hiccup and they'll be back next year and it's just it doesn't seem to be showing any signs of resting itself at the moment and like we often talk here about like tiered championship and we'll leave that for another day but if it was split at the moment between like Cork would be kind of borderline and that seems ridiculous to me yeah. the Cork being considered in a, like a, in a second tier championship but yeah. um, just like it doesn't seem to be getting any better I mean they're at home to Donegal and they're away to Arma and they might have to win 
the two of them to potentially stay up. So yeah. it's uh, it's not looking <laughs> not looking great for Cork football. It's definitely not looking good for them. Like I mean, it's bizarre how there can be a disconnect between minor under twenty one and then between under twenty one and seniors. So there doesn't seem to be any logical pathway there, does there? Like I mean, mm. with players, so it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, but no. we look forward to going. Kind of no, that's going to say that that quote there from Rona McCarthy that you have down in the notes about you know. Sort of celebrating the Tipperary one. I was like, okay, it's a good win and it was an important one, but Cork, like, come on, win another game, like, you know, back <laughs> it up, yeah. win the win the division, like, you know, beating Tipperary isn't something they. I rest think they were at that. Like. They were at that. Let's get straight back out of Division Two, and now they're probably being a little bit more realistic. Like, yeah. shit, you know this, but I don't know. Can can it just be a bad run of managers? I don't know. Cuthbert looked like a good manager at the start, and then it went all off the edge of a cliff. Um, they definitely don't seem to have embraced the modern game like other other counties have. Um, other news is, geez, I was reading this yesterday and I was going, oh, for God's sake. So I don't know where, don't know where I was reading this. So the GEA are looking at restoring the under the under 20 championship, football championship, to its more familiar January to March slot. Ugh. Immediately I just stopped and went, what the hell are you thinking? Have we not got enough shit in that? Are we not trying to fix this mess between January and March? Are, no! I can tell you now that this will not be a good idea. So, um, a meeting of county board chairpersons in Croke Park over the weekend, one of the items discussed was the possibility of reverting to the old window. The under-21 championship became the under-20 championship last year and was played from May through to the all Ireland final on the bank hall the weekend in August Kildare obviously beat Mayo in that so there was some clubs given out that it was crossing over their club championships and things like that uh, maybe maybe from May, June and July three months is probably too much for it across mm. the summer maybe May and June would be enough and no club championships should be going on in May and June because Intercounty is in full swing and pretty um, intense at that time you know maybe in July some counties might get, would be knocked out and could want to play club and this could become a problem but Jesus play it from May May and June let yeah, it play off yeah. because there's no crossover now you can't play under 20 and senior you have to make a choice hmm. so it's going to get even messier if they bring it from January to March never mind the Sigerson, Fitzgibbon never mind the club and all that mess it's going to create it will also clash with the National League uh, football so like I mean you'll have to make your choice um, do you know like I mean if you pick under 20 you'll be missing out on the league do you know like yeah. I mean it's going to be it's going to be a mess is early that, is that the point though is it the point so that like some under 20 players can then play a senior championship having already played if you're out of the under 20 then you're free to play it but is that the point in kind of restoring it to yeah. its original place in the in, in the calendar is maybe that, that maybe that's it but like I think if you're in the under 20 you should be li- yeah. I don't mind this that you have to choose yeah, between that was a good rule you, yeah, you lose somebody yeah. like David Clifford every now and again you lose somebody like that but like surely if the under 20s have to choose surely the, the league is better as a de- developmental competition for these players as opposed to championship if they're going to have to make a choice between one mm. or the other um, and just the like you're on about clubs giving out about it like clashing with club championship but like the amount of trouble it would cause if we went back to January oh my March God. with Sigerson and all that I remember in Mayo there, there was a motion but last year or it could have been this year about delaying the under 20 one championship till moving it back to earlier in the year but that was only because what happened to Mayo is it put off completely until after the club championships so you weren't having under 21 club championship till like November and right. it was going into December and it, it wasn't considered fair like I know we 
we lost the county final before and our under 21 lads had to play on a bank holiday Monday and there was their first round of the championship in the under 21 so they were on but they haven't moved it back but that, that was the reason for that yeah. but like at an inter-county level it just seems Under 21 usually is played later remember under any under 21s I won were w- won very late in the year I think one could have actually gone into the following year I can't remember season, it's usually yeah. after the season like an afterthought but it's this year um, you can play under you can play senior after the under 20s are knocked out Last year you had to choose one or the other. We obviously had Keane Johnson from Offaly choosing or being forced to choose the under 20s. I I just don't get Like I thought that was a good rule that you either play 20s or senior because we're always complaining about burnout and these young lads having to do too much. And like if you're good, if you're David Clifford, like you you don't need him playing for the under 20s, playing for the seniors. Like and the whole reason that you're developing players in the first place is to get them at senior level. Yeah, it is a rite of passage though. It is supposed to be the next stepping stone to see you on into that, you know, see you on into that senior level. I think an under 19 is better I think do away with under 17 and under 20 and just have one under 19 it would relieve all this fixture congestion and no under 19 can ever play senior so it runs parallel with the senior and that's it fixed and what if you're good enough would you let David Clifford skip under 19 and go I think no I think that if you're under 19 you're 19 19. you'd play you'd play senior then when you're 19 wouldn't you Mm. are you 19 under 19 he would only be playing this year in your last year in your last year we would have lost Clifford last year in your last year I don't like it already (laughs) (laughs) I am adding little uh, amendments to it already Um, Darren Gavin Lads, there was a piece in the Irish Times Eno Reardon had on this and um, a little bit detail of him because he's caught my eye and he's been on one or two Monday um, Monday running orders and we, I don't think we've got around to talk about him, have we? Like, I mean, a gangly looking fella that yeah. you could, might look at this fella at underage level and say, like, he's a bit too weak. He needs to fill out into himself, yeah. you know, and he's a bit of a late bloomer in that he... Didn't make the under-21 team in 2017 when they won the All-Ireland. He came on after, I think it was 13 minutes because of an injury and then gave a man of the match display. That under-21 team that he came on in 2017 beat Galway in the final. Brian Howard was on it, Conor Callaghan was on it, Owen Merchant was on it, Evan Comerford was on it, Colin Baskell was on it. So it's not a bad no, uh, crop no, of players no, no, no. coming so off that. He actually started the semi-final. He started um, the semi. Against Donegal, but he was brought into the panel late. And I think he was supposed to play corner forward that day, but Conor Callaghan got a black card after like two or three minutes and he ended up moving further out the field. So right. Maybe corner forward. It doesn't look yeah. like a corner forward. But that shows you yeah, probably the, the skill that he does have. Like, right. Yeah. had him down as a corner forward. Because that's interesting. So John Dively had him in uh, UCD and he says I think he's a big prospect for Dublin if he doesn't nestle in beside Brian Fenton this year I've no doubt in the next two or three he'll be a big prospect for Jim Gavin. So Dively uh, played with um, Darren Gavin's father Fergal Gavin. Fergal Gavin was on the 1998 Galway All-Ireland winning panel he was a midfielder as well I think that's always gassed that the son follows the exact same (laughs) position as the father but Kevin Walsh and Sean O'Donnell were were the midfield partnership and that and they weren't being budged anywhere Mm. but uh, Darren's father moved to Dublin uh, not long after that and obviously his his son grew up playing with Dublin and like I mean I don't want to make a big thing out of this but like considering the amount of people moving to Dublin because all the work is in Dublin look how many Kulshi sons are going to be playing for Dublin in the future. No, but it's true. And now this has always happened. Like, I mean, it's not a new phenomenon. Like, I mean, De Brogan's mother is from Kerry. Like, I mean, mm. this, is, this has always happened. But I think we'll see an awful lot more of that. That, like, I mean, not only have they got a lot of advantages, but they're getting our breeding and our... <laughs> and our they're getting all Kulshi breeding in Dublin yeah. now. So they'll get the population, they'll get the funding and Kulshi <laughs> breeding as well. <laughs> how many more things can I complain about on this show? But yeah, 
yeah, I like Darren Gavin. I think he will. He will end up. Uh, he will end up. He kicked a bad wide against Roscommon, then he kicked a beautiful score. So I'm, I'm, I'm on. Yeah. I have to see a bit more about his accuracy, but he definitely covers ground. He definitely is like a, a smart player, and he doesn't look out of place at intercounty, even though he still looks a bit gangly. And you would like to see maybe Jim Gavin do the old Rory Kavanagh wake up in the morning and drink some or eat some protein eat a big yeah, steak yeah. didn't he put Kavanagh in this intense weight gaining uh, he told program. him to eat loads of chocolate bars didn't he Rory Kavanagh was it he, I, th- I think he put on two stone but he was just telling them to eat it basically every opportunity oh yeah keep yeah. eating but eat yeah, including eat chocolate protein just, and calories yeah, yeah, yeah I think that's isn't that what bodybuilders do when they, they, they bulk up first and then to, to get weight on I don't know. Speaking, from, speaking, from, from, speaking from experience. Okay. <laughs> what, what we do is uh, <laughs> maybe Darren doesn't need to listen to this show to know how to put on some put on some weight. Drink a few pints, Darren. <laughs> him, him and Fenton are a scary prospect, aren't they? For the future, but oh. this is but this is the brilliance of Jim Gavin every year. A new fella comes in, the average age of the team comes down. We've <laughs> talked about this before, and they don't look out of place. So, mm. and like, look at especially with the hurling. So, like, I mean, last year. Galway won the All-Ireland and the year before Tipperary won the All-Ireland they come back out the following year with the same team I'd say the same starting 15 Galway same starting 15 and now Limerick you're looking through their team and you're going geez, you'd be doing well to break onto their All-Ireland winning team and Jim Gavin's like no way yeah, yeah. that All-Ireland winning team will not win it for me this year I need to bring the age down although Limerick Hurler's age will be very young but he just does it hmm. so like I mean even if Michael Darren McCall is coming off a bad a good year last year Darren Gavin's ready he's young he's hungry he's going to freshen this up and James McCarthy was probably midfield more last year. He'll go back into the backs. And the, the, the thing about Darren Gavin getting midfield, if he does end up midfield, is uh, James McCarthy goes back into the backs and a huge name yeah. loses out in the backs, lads. Yeah. Because John Small, Jack McCaffrey, Keane O'Sullivan and James McCarthy do not fit into three positions. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So what did it do with the what did it do with one of these big huge names? Yeah. That's, that's the thing. There's absolutely zero fear of complacency with Dublin, and I think with Jim Gavin, you don't even have to be playing that bad. No, he, he'll, he'll do it anyway. He'll deliberately but piss people off. That's brilliant. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I, I can only imagine the loyalty you might feel to lads that won you the All Ireland. Jim Gavin feels no loyalty to these lads. <laughs> no, but like I mean, yeah, I don't mean that yeah. as a criticism. No, no, no. Like this no, is no. managing your squad and freshening it up, and it's a part of management that's very undervalued because the easy way to go and we see it with so many All-Ireland winning managers well these lads did it for me in the heat of battle he's unproven I know this lad can do it I'm taking the easy option and I'm going with him this year the thing is he can do it as yeah, well because I know he has this conveyor belt of players that are just seemingly up to the level immediately and other counties don't have don't have kind of that wiggle room but but, but you're right he does that he's completely ruthless and yeah. as I said I think he deliberately pisses people off just to keep them yeah. Keep them, keep them hungry and yeah. keep them motivated. But like, I mean, Darren Gavin, now he's no relation of Jim's. He's not exactly one that every manager would pull out and say, I'm giving him a full league now. He's a gangly sub at under 21. You know what I mean? He's yep. not... At first glance, you'd be like, geez, well, he might need a few more years. You know what I mean? He's given him that opportunity and he's starting to flourish. Now, obviously, coming into a brilliant team like that makes it easier but again, in other counties, would Darren Gavin be getting into that big yeah. team? I don't think he would. Maybe it's interesting not. you say that because John Devilly's quotes are like, you know, maybe in the next couple of years, the UCD there manager said something yeah. like that as well. He's a good player. Maybe in the next couple of years, he'll make his way in. 
but he is in this year and Jim Gavin is putting his faith in him and he's probably pissed Michael Dyer McCauley off but what that does you get more out of Michael Dyer McCauley then as yeah, well and yeah. the whole panel is just hungry yeah and that's the thing like I mean you piss Michael Dyer McCauley off if Michael Dyer McCauley puts a face on him he misses out on getting any game time on an aller and winning team now that is a luxury Jim, Jim Gavin has because no player can afford to ha- throw a strop you're, yeah. at, you're, at, you're yeah. at his beck and call it's either look throw a strop Act like you're not part of this team. No minutes. He nearly didn't didn't play Jeremy Connolly in the 2017 final, yeah. he, unless only he was the, in such only bad trouble. To, like, yeah. yeah. Ah, look, listen. There's no doubt. Uh, Jim Gavin's an outstanding, outstanding manager. Big game, realistically, um, is is the All Ireland Club final, lads, because this is sensational. We'll talk about this here rather than Paddy Power predictions. Like, I mean, it's. I think this is all about Cara Finn. Um, we're going for a third win in five years, so it'll bring them into the third of the role in the role of honour no other club outside of Cross McGlenn did it twice and St Finbars and UCD have put back to back uh, titles because think about this lads back to back titles start a full year with your club win an all around club until the following March start back immediately mm. into, a na- into a county league and championship have to win that and then go through the, the provincial uh, system when Connacht is a bloody imp- really difficult you're talking about St Bridges team and a Castle Bar team and a Ballantubber and all the May- Mayo are traditionally really strong at club level it's not like they're winning against a, in a handy province or anything and then they're back again with an all semi final and an all final again so like I mean it can't be underestimated what an like I don't know like could is it crazy to say that if they win this weekend that they're up there with the great well, I'd say the best club team I've practically ever seen maybe Cross McLean up there in the 90s me, yeah. Yeah. yeah they have to be like I mean they're just they're practically they're not far off an inter-county team really no, absolutely not. But the way that you put it there, but like how they kind of carve in, and I think you've mentioned this before, how how ye used to approach seasons because you were so used to winning kind of provincial titles. So, but like, like I don't know, does does he have such a big squad that he can kind of accommodate leaving people off at different times of year, giving them time off? But that that commitment cannot be underestimated. The amount of time that you've put into, you basically don't have a preseason because your your season is running through Christmas and you're getting right back into the thick of it with league and and provincial provincial action as well. But like you. You, I think we've constantly mentioned around like uh, on this podcast as well about it's nearly a golden era for super clubs and for Carfin to do what they're doing when Crokes are so good and when other clubs are so good it's just um, yeah it's amazing it's definitely amazing and, and like I mean Crokes are we obviously we've eulogised about Crokes so it's going to be a fantastic game there's some really good matchups so Kieran Fitzgerald versus Kieran O'Leary I don't think Kieran Fitzgerald is going to like Mark and Kieran O'Leary because Kieran O'Leary still has that movement and uh, I think Kieran Fitzgerald at his age might struggle a little bit with Kieran O'Leary. Um, you've Liam Silk versus Tony Brosnan. I think that's a guarantee. I think that's uh, yeah. that's going to be an unbelievable. It's actually interesting uh, reading quotes from Martin Farraher, who was talking about Tony Brosnan. And in 2015, they went, he went to Boston and he played in a two-man full forward line with Tony Brosnan. Is that nice little uh, <laughs> little story there? I wouldn't like to be inside no. on those two. The greatest full forward line in America. <laughs> <laughs> then you have Kieran Malloy. He's lined up against Brian Looney, who's an outstanding club player, and he could go across on Michal Burns. I don't think Kieran Malloy likes the right half back position, mm-hmm. and I don't think uh, Curra Finn are going. To, I don't think either team will be will be messing up their formation too much for no, each other. No, I think they'll no. take each other on um, head on. Dylan Wall, an excellent number seven, will be on Michal Burns. Dahi Burke versus Dahi Casey, the two the two Dahis. I think that's a guaranteed matchup as well. I think Ronan Steed versus Johnny Buckley. I think that might be the aerial the aerial battle uh, battle there. Dottie 
Burke will man mark Dottie Casey on the ground Fionn Fitzgerald versus Ian Burke don't fancy Fionn Fitzgerald's afternoon there um, even no. though he's probably their best man marker he's not tight enough for Ian Burke don't think, I don't think too many are and then a very interesting one I have here for Gavin White so who marks Gavin White is it Gary Sice who used to play wing back but wouldn't have the pace for him or to put Michal Lundy and take away from Michal Lundy's attacking kind of instincts by saying you have to follow Gavin White it's whenever he goes because he has the pace to follow Gavin White it's interesting you said who marks Gavin yeah. White he's a <laughs> yeah, defender yeah. but he has to well, I think that's the way it's going to be it yeah. is, but like genuinely when I played wing back I played wing back until I was about 22 and absolutely in club football and leash wing backs were put wing forward on me to stop me attacking like that's how like yeah, some players you have to stop them they're like a, they're arguably a more dangerous attacker because they don't have a back marking them yeah. so you know what I mean sometimes the best way to mark these fellas is to put forwards on them that aren't going that are that's constantly true too, going to but then that's them, the like. game of cat and mouse you yeah. see the minute I'd see a good forward coming on me I would say I will go out of my way to join every attack for the first 10 minutes and really scramble this fella's brain <laughs> all together because he doesn't want to do that but that's yeah. that game of half back half forward that's all that's been yeah. played for, for a long long time I thought the same about Malloy when you were asking whether he'll go same on as, Looney yeah. or Burns I was like well actually who will go on Malloy because he's going to be yeah. six yard box every two seconds yeah because Brian, Brian Looney and Mi- Michal Burns probably would follow uh, Kieran Malloy better Brian Maloney or Brian Looney is a really really dangerous forward but more in an attacking sense and like I mean when you look at the the, the Crokes half forward line it probably is made up of more like free spirits and attacking players rather than kind of players that are going to be following Kieran Malloy but you have to follow Kieran Malloy because yeah. we've talked enough on the show but this lad ends up in the six yard box at the end of every move yeah. <laughs> ah lads it's a brilliant final like That's it really really yeah. is yeah. Like I mean two heavyweights I haven't looked forward to a final more um, I, I can't remember the last time I've looked mm. forward to yeah, a yeah. final where this jeez uh, I, I must check the betting did you see the betting I haven't checked the betting <laughs> it's uh, it's probably about 50-50 oh there it is uh, so Corrafin are 10 to 11 and Dr Crokes are 6 to 5 the draw is 15 to 2 so there's nothing, nothing in it no. so the, no. the Paddy Power are absolutely matching that up so will we get a little tip off the two of you lads not jeez. that it's going to make too much of a difference <laughs> I'll uh, stick with the Westerners I'll go for Corrafin Mm. Yeah, I think Corfin. Now remember, Crokes hammered them two years ago yeah, in yeah, the Gaelic Grand. Yeah, now this did. was Cor- and this was Corfin going full through from a winning year on to the next year as well. And often you think, oh, well, the favourites will win it, and then the hindsight analysis is, yeah. ah, Jesus, very hard to do those back to back. They were just a fresher, more hungry. <laughs> yeah. They were a fresher, yeah. more hungrier team. We call that Monday show. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I just think Corfin. I think they're both like the best, and it's class that they're playing each other. But uh, I think I said this before. Corfin are just a bit more functional, whereas Crooks, you use the word free spirits. They're they're both devastating, but Crooks are a bit more off the cuff. Whereas Corfin seems functional like, uh, seems like such an insult to Corfin. No, it's, it's, it's like a it's like a machine, like the way yeah. they play football. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. it's a beautiful machine um, and like I, I always think about the I know you can't really compare games across the years but both of them played Stock Neal in a final and Corfin just batted them aside like they weren't even there and Corfin's two most recent wins have been the annihilations of Slock Neal and yeah. Nemo in finals Croke Park suits Corfin there's no doubt about that and they have a better age profile of experience than Crokes Crokes scraped over Slock Nail but now that was there was a lot of pressure on them that yeah. year because they had been the nearly men so who are you going to go for uh, Conan? Corrafin I'll go for Corrafin too a full house for Corrafin and of course on Monday me and Conan when we're in here we'll be like <laughs> ah well look it was really obvious all along wasn't it? <laughs> they had right. Cooper on the bench <laughs> <laughs> the strength in depth alright we'll come back with Sean Powter I work as a police 
policeman at Garda Shikana down, down the store street and I'm coming back out and there's a cohort of loyal Tyrone fans still up in the stand as you come back out and they're roaring at me, hey Coffrey, you free state bastard. <laughs> 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 and, and, and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> so Sean Powder made his comeback for Cork against me two weeks ago after a year out with a hamstring, in, hamstring injury and he joins us on the show now. It's good to be back, Sean. Uh, unreal. It's been a long 13, 13, 14 months like but. It's finally great to be back in the pitch and playing some part at least. So how did it take 13 or 14 months? I remember the game, it was actually on-air sport against Tipperary, the first round of the league last year, and you went off with a hamstring injury and I was reading reports after it and it was diagnosed for three months. How did it end up being 14? Um, uh, because I did this, I did the same tear three or four times. Um, so every time I went back, it was either in like the first or second game back, I'd tear it again and start the rehab uh, all over again. So it was just, I just did the same injury three or four times, three, four times in total. Gee, four times in total and in the exact same area? Exact same spot, yeah. So the, it was literally just the exact same injury four times. My God. So, and, like, I mean, I were, were you just over anxious to get back too soon or were you not, you didn't have it str- back strong enough or just this is just terribly um, bad luck? Um, I suppose a bit of everything, but uh, then like the, fo- the the fourth time round, we like uh, the physios, like the car physio, decided like something's not right here. So I went over to England and met Professor Adad and the physio over there, and he kind of we did a lot of testing, and it showed that like the hamstring, one of the hamstring muscles, wasn't properly activated when I sprinted. So every time I went to go flat out, it would just rip. So that's the difference between the, this rehab and all the other rehabs before. Right. Now, what is he, I'm very interested in this, Sean, because I've had terrible luck with my hamstrings myself. So what was the difference between this rehab and you and uh, the other rehabs? Um, all, like, all the other rehabs were just focused on strengthening up the tendon, which I tore, while the, this rehab now, it was focused on making the whole tendon longer uh, instead of they made it longer and stronger at the same time, if you know what I mean. Right. So how would you do that? Just, um, I there were three main exercises. Um, it was like just literally I did three exercises every day. Um, they were called the slider, the glider, and the extender, and I do them every day now. So, and like that, that they just extend the whole tendon itself rather than just strengthening it, which deadlifts and squats and that kind of stuff would only do. Ah, okay. So a bit of stretching involved, basically, it's just to dumb it yeah, down. It's dumb, it's just, just to dumb it down. <laughs> yeah, fancy words for stretching. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I mean, <laughs> like, you must have been at your wits' end when this happened the fourth time. Like, I mean, or even coming back the fifth time, that you know that fear you have before you go completely flat out on a hamstring when you're not sure it's going to take it or not. Yeah, absolutely. Like I think I was kind of missing a kind of fear at the start. I kind of said, it's fine now, so I'll go through like it was before the injury. And I reckon that's kind of played a part in tearing it each time. But this time it's been a lot slower. We've added an extra month to the rehab and like I've only been playing 20 minutes each game rather than been thrown in the deep end, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you got back playing with your club at the end of last year. I think it was eight months um, in total. 
Yeah, uh, that was in, uh, that was actually against the Bears. I actually wasn't supposed to be playing that. Um, again, I just summoned myself onto the pitch uh, because we were doing like three or four points and let's just say the physio wasn't very wasn't pleasing me at all. <laughs> and, you know, coming on as a sub in a club match, you, you probably wouldn't have that same, you know, intensive warm-up do- done that you might have at inter-county level where you're being monitored more. So it's yeah, more risky. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. I'd say like that day, you know, I only warmed up for ten minutes and then was thrown in, and I'd say that was one of the reasons I tore it again that day. But no, no, like the the physios and strength conditioning coaches require just they're watching everything I do and just <laughs> making sure I'm doing every, literally everything I'm doing. They're watching it and making sure I'm doing everything perfect. Yeah, yeah. By the um, so- by the sounds of you, Sean, you might need a twenty four hour security uh, bodyguard <laughs> to make sure. <laughs> Come here. Yeah. So we talked with Brian Hurley here on the show two years ago at this stage now. So I'm sure he's been a help, like because we, you know, what it's like when you're out injured and you're on the outside of the squad and you you don't feel part of it. And especially with you, your hopes are you, are getting up that you're back and then you're gone back again. So like, I mean, who helped you psychologically? I suppose like would Brian have helped you out, or or would it be uh, more the manager or sports psychologist? Um, it was mainly Brian Brian Hurley and Johnny Holland, the former rugby the rugby most rugby player. Oh yeah, he's, he's now a nutritionist, like so. He was very instrumental in kind of just like how to stay positive. Like he he can't play anymore, and he's still like extremely positive about life and everything in general. And Brian was just like keep the face; it will get right eventually. Just listen to Colin. Don't do anything extra. <laughs> yeah, so you really listened to that advice then when it came to the Finn Bears in the Cork fi- in the Cork uh, quarter final. <laughs> yeah, I've learned. I've learned this time now that uh, physios know better than me. <laughs> Come here, because you're coming off an absolutely brilliant year. It was a terrible time for it to ha- have happened, you, because 2017 was a sensational year for you. You played really well against Kerry in the Munster final, and even better then against Mayo in the qualifiers you made the international rules you got uh, shortlisted for young player of the year so to miss that you, I'm sure in your own head you were thinking I need to back that good year up with another good year and then you find yourself kind of gone yeah yeah, it was kind of going from one extreme to the next um, like the highs of Mayo Kerry uh, making the international rules team and then out for three or four months in your first uh, game back with Cork it was, it was it was a new experience but I think it's it will stand to me in the long run. I've learned a lot about myself and a lot about other aspects of my life. So that's the only way. That's the only way I could have twisted into a positive. Yeah, maybe. Were we going to see a new role for you last year? That one game you played against Tipperary, you were at centre forward. Was Ronan going to try you out in the in the forwards? Uh, yeah, I, was, I play forward with Douglas, and he's from my local club, Douglas as well. So I think he was kind of seeing how how it would turn out, and I think of him playing there. For, for the, I came on against me in centre forward as well, so I think he's sent me in for a, a forward rather than a half back. No. Okay, because I was going to ask you that was it a forward again this year? You've been brought on, but uh, like, and so how long did you get into two games? You were brought on. Like, are 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 you looking just kind of, you know, just ease into it gently? I suppose. Uh, yeah, the first game against me there was twenty minutes, and against Tipperary was twenty minutes. So. Uh, hopefully you know, against Donegal I'll get another 10 hopefully but that's up to see how the game goes and yeah. up to management really but they were trying to up, up it gradually rather than going from uh, rehab running straight into a game which I did 
the last few times. Yeah, no, I agree with this approach this time, Sean. I have to say, I think that's <laughs> that's probably the sensible. There's been a bit of a change in tactics for Cork this year. Obviously, you missed last year, and um, like I saw a quote from you at the start of last year, where you were talking about Ronan bringing in a new approach um, to be free and enjoy the game of football which is what we're doing this year, is what you said at the start of 2018, before that Tipperary game. This year there's been a bit of a yeah. change in approach, right? I presume it's after the Munster final hammering to Kerry and then the Tyrone game as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, The hammer we got to Tyrone and Kerry, something needed to something needed to change. So we kind of looked at the defensive aspect of football um, and unfortunately it hasn't worked so far, but... It worked against Fermanagh and it it worked against Kildare as well, but the results aren't showing it. So we'll hopefully now rectify and change a few things, tweak a few things for Donegal and hopefully get the win we really badly need. Yeah, you do really need it. But like, I mean, for Cork to change to that kind of a system, it's probably difficult because none of you would have played that system coming up underage at all. That would be kind of unusual for Cork teams to play defensively underage. Is that Would that be right? Yeah, it's more of a yeah, I, I, it's more of attacking in court, uh, like like our neighbours Kerry. But like when when you saw the results against Kerry and Tyrone, we need we needed to try something different um, because the attacking approach wasn't really working. Um, well, you could say we went too too extreme, but I think Ronan knows exactly what he's talking about, and we believe in Ronan, so we'll do. We'd run through a brick wall if he told us that. Yeah, no, I'm sure you would. So if you're playing centre half forward in this new system, you're pretty much getting back and blocking up a hole or two and then breaking forward with it. Well, I suppose that would suit your game with the speed you have, anyways. Yeah, absolutely. It just um, make an impact on the game and like turn over the ball, and we all go as one instead of just drips and drabs, which is kind of been what we have to. It takes a while to get used to the system as well, if you know what I mean. Yeah, because it's yeah. not going to work straight away, like. Because getting the bodies back behind the ball and tackling with intensity and turning it over is probably the easy side of it. It's what you do when you win it, when you get it turned over. Is... Yeah, because it's when, when you need the three or, four, three or four players to go with the fellow with the ball. That's where, that's where the problem, that's where our problem has been. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What do you put the difference down with Cork? You've obviously lost a lot of leaders. Michael Shields, Colin O'Neill, Donnick O'Connor, Alan O'Connor, Aidan Walsh has gone with the hurlers. Like I mean, in the in this decade, you've won five out of nine Munster under twenty ones. You were on the team in two thousand and sixteen, and you barely lost to Mayo in the final. Why is it not translating to senior level? Like I mean, you've as good a record underage as Kerry, yet they're flying it at senior, and you seem to be going backwards. Like the underage doesn't tally with how the senior has kind of fallen, fallen back. Yeah, um, I say that's the question that everyone, it's a, it's on everyone's mind. And I don't think anyone really has the answer to. Um, but um, when it comes to senior, I, I really, I really, honest answers, I don't know. Um, like I've the players we have there now is um, like is the same caliber as there was five or six years ago. I just we just can't seem to. Consistency is the main problem. We go out one day, we play unbelievable, and the next day we'd be one of the worst teams in the country. Like I don't know, consistency really, or perhaps a lack of belief. I think a lack of belief with the amount of setbacks we've had over the past few years is kind of like say we conceded two goals against Clare and it was kind of like oh here we go again right kind of scenario so even if you have a bit of confidence it's brittle enough it just doesn't take too much to knock you back into that kind of hey, it's unusual for Cork people or Cork footballers to lack belief yeah um, well I don't know it's, it's, it's hard for the young fellas coming like the new fellas they've 
they've grown up seeing Cork winning and, and they're part of a team that's not doing so well. So it's hard for the young fellas to get the belief saying that we belong here. Um, um, I remember my first year when I was when I was going to dressing with Donald O'Connor and Colin O'Neill. Like I'm like, geez, I, I don't know if should I be here at all. Like, yeah, well, I suppose yeah. We well, there's not too much. Is there any of the All Ireland winning team left really now? Most of them are gone. Uh, the only one left is Paul Kerrigan. He's the last one. Paul Kerrigan is right. Yeah, he's still there. So, like, I mean, you nearly nearly need to be taking a leadership role at this stage, and you're only 21. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's what Dunnake rang me when he retired and he was like, You're one of the main leaders now, so I used to start leaning by example and it's only it's only my fourth year now, like and I didn't think I thought I'd you know, it'd be like a settling in period kind of <laughs> watch watch people watch the older fellas, see how they do it and then learn from them and take it in a few more years, but look <laughs> we'll take it as it goes. Are you comfortable with that leadership role or um, oh yeah, I am. Mean, yeah, the one thing I hate is talking in public. But I talk, I talk uh, to them uh, individually and just say, "Come on, we need more from you." That kind of way. But I wouldn't say it in front of the group. I, I wouldn't be a fan of talking in front of the group now. Really? Well, you're talking in front of a lot of people now, but it's different, I suppose. It's on the phone. You sound okay to <laughs> <Yeah>. me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get all squeaky and high pitched when I'm talking about the group. No, I wouldn't like that. No. <laughs> Come here, Paddy Kelly talked about issues with pitches. He talked about when he retired. Now this was he talked about issues with gyms where the players had to organise the, the gym themselves. Um, in general, kind of painting a picture of a not high performance environment. Has that in, has that improved? Uh, yeah, dramatically. We're we're based in Parky Creeve now. So we train on the Astro and then when we need the gym, we go into the gym in Parky Creeve as well. So it's we, that's where exactly that's where we train every Tuesday, Thursday okay. and Saturday if you don't have a match. So we're literally just, everything's based in Parky Creeve where we have the gym as well and we get grub there and everything. Okay, so that's important. Like, I mean, a lot of it psychologically is that you're being treated right, you know, because if, if, if you don't feel that you've got a, a good setup, that's an excuse players will take, you know, to me, may, maybe not put in the, the, the effort they should be. Um, yeah, I suppose, but uh, I'd kind of go against what Paddy was saying. I thought the setup, it was it was makeshift, but I thought it was quite, it kind of bonded us together, if you know what I mean. Right. Kind of like, this is this is what we have, we'll get on with it, and we'll fight through it, we'll go through it. Like, uh, we kind of had that mentality rather than, rather than sulking about it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I didn't really think of it like that. Like, I mean, it's a weird one, like you said with Cork, the... the Every year for the last maybe five years since that Kerry, you should have beaten Kerry in 2015. So many years of that, three or four years. And it's been going backwards in the league and maybe in the championship. But you've always pulled one big performance. I know against Mayo in Croke Park a couple of times, Mayo two years ago. Like You give yourselves enough hope the previous year to, to build on it the following year, although last year was the exception to that. Yeah, um, I just think it's, back to consistency like we know we can those performances week in week out but it's just finding the ability to do that is the problem um, like we, go, we shoot the lights out we shot the lights out against Mayo and the week before we were we were beaten by Kerry by 11 points so like it's just finding the balance between getting things right and fixing what's wrong Yeah I don't even want to ask you this question because I don't know how you'll feel about it but what is relegation going to do to this squad or what would it do you run three points along with it looks like it's between yourselves Tip and Clare Um, Tip and Clare play each other in the last game so one of them will get points out of that so you need to get something out of your next two games and it's Donegal and Armagh Donegal at home Armagh away you have to get something out out of one or both of those games 
Yeah. Um, well, the way we're talking, if we win both of the games, we're at the relegation. So um, that's the way we're looking at just win. If we win, if we beat Donegal, we beat uh, Armagh. It's in your own hands, we yeah. Won't have to, yeah, it's in our own hands, basically, which is kind of a very good start to have, considering we lost the, the, our last three games and won against Tip. So we're kind of lucky it's in our own hands at this stage. Yeah, definitely. And Claire playing tip does you no harm then as well in the last game because yeah. that's what puts it in your own hands, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. And and if our man don't win this weekend, they can be brought into the fight as well because we have them away up in Cross McGlynn. So they could be brought into the relegation battle as well. Yeah, it's really, it's definitely, I'd say, like, I mean, when you initially went down to Division 2, you're talking about getting back up. But this year, especially Division 2, is incredibly difficult. Yeah, absolutely. At the start of the year, our aim was to get out, get out of Division One, like because we thought we had the caliber of players. But just the way the results kind of panned out, where we were rock bottom now. But I think the tip, the win against Tip, was really badly needed. But I think it'll give us the confidence to like know we can win games. Um, even though it was a bit nervy towards the end, but we can win games and like hopefully bring that confidence to a big team like Donegal now. Yeah, on Saturday night. Exactly. Right, well, let's come here. Best of luck against Donegal and more importantly, best of luck with the injury and hopefully you'll stay injury-free for the year and see where it takes you from there. Perfect. Thanks a million. Thanks for taking the call, Sean. Cheers, Colin. Thanks. he gave me back then was he, we were in the Glenroy on a night out and he, I'd never met him before and he put his arm around me and he said you won't go too far wrong if you win the ball and give it to me I said alright well okay that was great advice yeah it was <laughs> for you <laughs> Paddy Power predictions. We might just run through these divisions, lads, because Division 1, 2 and 3 is very interesting. Four, forget about it. Leitrim Derry in the mix with two games to go. No more to see here. <laughs> um, Division 4 is done. Division 1 still has loads to play for. So we're looking at who gets into the final. We're looking Kerry and Dublin, obviously very strong favourites for that at this stage. Dublin have Tyrone at home and Cavan away. So I'd say that's a done deal, Kerry and Dublin. Sorry about that now, Connor. Because especially Mayo have Kerry away and Monaghan at home. Two really difficult games. And um, I don't see Galway getting up there. Galway could potentially get up there, but I don't see Dublin losing their last two games. And that's no, Dublin, either that's Dublin uh, straight through. At the bottom, it's definitely interesting because Monaghan play Cavan. Um, at home in Clonus and we flagged up this game a little while ago that it's a local derby it's going to be a dour uh, it's going to be a, da- a dour dogfight because both of them are in relegation uh, problems some interesting stats on Cavan this is before the Tyrone game and they got hammered by Tyrone maybe a little bit uh, misleading the hammering they were down at four at half time after playing uh, against the wind and then Tyrone came out scored the first two games or first two points of the second half and Killian Clark was sent off game over Cavan always lose to Tyrone it said they just dropped their heads surprising for them to drop their heads if they did that with a new manager because even if you want to drop your head you still can't do that I was reading a report that they went more defensive then yeah it's all the same yeah Yeah. so they sort of went under the shell a bit and just gave it up gave it up but there was some stats on their 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 scoring and their defending before that Tyrone game so the Tyrone game obviously messed them up um, compared to their last time during Division 1 so they were averaging um, uh, in 2017 they were averaging 15 points a game 
or they were conceding 15 points a game so they're now conceding 14.5 this was before Tyrone which they conceded 115 which would bring that up but in the attacking one was interesting they averaged 12 points a game in 2017 this is under Maddie McLean and before the Tyrone game they were averaging 14.25 points a game so there's a clear improvement there now the Cavan they only scored 9 against Tyrone so that might have been dragged down there mm. but I'd say the Tyrone game Cavan have been competing well up until this point. Like, I mean, they did well against Kerry at home, beat Roscommon at home, which are a real bogey team mm. for them. You know, haven't been disgracing themselves at all. The Tyrone, that I think they just have an Indian sign over Cavan. Tyrone have yeah. so I don't, I don't know. I'd, we, I'd like to see Cavan um, on television to see what they're really doing. You probably saw. I them saw against them against Mayo. Mayo. I thought they were quite they? impressive, actually. Right. Well, like Mayo were kind of always comfortable as soon as Evan Regan got a goal in the second half or in the first half. Sorry, and it was a like once it went in, nobody was sure whether it was a free out or what. It was he kind of went in with the keeper, maybe fouled them, but it was allowed. It was given anyway. The Mayo were just comfortable after that, but they were they hadn't. And this was Mayo on the back of two really positive wins. Mayo were on a roll at the time, and what they didn't really have it easy. Kevin had a lot of chances that night. And I thought like their half McVitie's had been playing centre back for them. I think he has been playing centre back for them throughout the league. And I think Connor Revel was beside him, got two points from play. Uh, Connor Moyna came on, was impressive too. But they missed a jerk after he got man the match that night. Uh, like he was, he was actually very good. But the the chances that Cavan had in their attack from and this is only based on one game. But they just looked a bit wasteful to me. And I suppose the thing with Cavan while they're competitive they can't be afford to be wasteful they have to be taking every single chance they got yeah. but that's the thing with them like I remember two years ago both with Cavan and Ross Common thinking that they looked like relegation fodder two years ago whereas neither of them look like relegation fodder this time they've actually been far more competitive but I don't know I can't see the thing is I can't see Cavan beat Monon and if they don't they're going back down again but there has been as you said but like not a whole lot in the stats and like the stats are all well and good but the context is they still have only two points but like based on like their campaign this season so far compared to, compared to their campaign two years ago I think it's a lot more positive for Kevin. Yeah, well, on the scoring, I think they got three points the last time. Now they've Monaghan away and Dublin at home, so they're 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 probably going to go down. If we're yeah. being honest, like they have, they just simply have to beat Monaghan. There's no two ways about that. If they beat Monaghan, Roscommon have Galway away and have Kerry at home, so they could go. You know, just that one win against Monaghan could see them safe. You know, because Monaghan are going to be in trouble and they'll have beaten Monaghan on the head to head. Monaghan can't actually overtake them if they beat Monaghan. So there's a huge amount riding on this game. Yeah. And they've upped those scoring stats there without uh, Garage McKiernan and yeah. Kevin O'Reilly. Like, you know, it's two big attackers for them. And Killian Clark, as you say, coming off. It's just too important around the middle. But Mickey Graham, like, we had him on the show during the Leinster Club and he's very good. We always, every time you talk about Cavan, you talk about that under 21 success that they had the four in a row back in 2010 or whatever. But, um, like he was very good at talking about how they didn't develop enough forwards back then and they lost forwards because they were going for short term success they had these defensive systems trying to win like underage titles and they did it but then for like the long term but they couldn't sustain it and the senior they didn't have enough quality coming through because they just had defenders playing in the forward line so yeah. obviously Mickey Graham everybody knows about his career they're a classy corner forward and that's obviously what he's trying to do he's trying to get them to attack more yeah. well they've Martin Riley and they've McVitie in their half forward line if you tried to tell me they're better off suited mm. inside yeah. their own 45 well that's nonsense because yeah. they're not because they're both creative and they're both dangerous players so um, again we want to see a little bit more from Kevin but I think because of who they're playing and because of the last time we saw this I think this 
game was on television the last time or at least we saw highlights of it on the League Sunday it was a dour I yeah. think it was 10 all or something <laughs> like that. but this I think this will be at this time of the year between two neighbours um, I give Monaghan the sneaky the sneaky nod yeah. um, on that one Galway play Roscommon this is a huge game for Roscommon Roscommon need to win it to stay up obviously because they have Kerry in their last game although Kerry could be uh, could have qualified at that stage so we don't know um, Galway versus Roscommon lads who we go for here you'd fancy I'd, I'd, I'd give Roscommon a, a, a oh, little yeah. sneak on this one I was going to go Galway I just thought like, it's going to be a big weekend for Monaghan I think they'll beat Cavan and then they'll go out of the relegation zone because I thought Roscommon won't beat Galway might draw I'm not going to rule it a draw like I never no, I, will but I draw. give Roscommon a great shout but I'm going to go with it being in Pierce Stadium I'm going to go for a narrow Galway win OK so Dublin play Tyrone in Crow Park and obviously the big thing with Tyrone now is Matty Donnelly in with Peter Hart in the inside line two of their main car- ball carrying half forwards are now playing inside and Mickey Hart was at an event uh, recently and he says I'm not saying we throw out all our small players but we need a better balance so you don't have a line he's talking about the full forward line we don't have a line where it's the same kind of skillful accurate fast players who need the precise pass maybe you need to mix and match with the bigger and stronger players who can handle an average ball Mickey if you'd listened to me two years ago on this show <laughs> <laughs> you would have saved yourself two years of figuring this out buddy this has been what's been said here for a long long time with Tyrone so he says you, can, you can't have them all big strong men either because they wouldn't be as deft or as astute as finding the scoring opportunities as the Mark Bradleys the Lee Brennans the Dara Canavans or the Dara McCurries these boys are very skillful players but it's a team game and we cert- we need horses for courses and certain mixes thank God Mickey Hart has finally realised this Mark Bradley incidentally isn't on the panel and he's a really good forward he's studying or something like that so they still have with Peter Hart yeah. and Maddie Donnelly her two big lumps of fellas like Peter Hart might be not that tall but he's a bloody beast of a man mm. um, you've Derek Hanavan for example playing off the two of them or playing in there with them and again I'm starting to get enthusiastic about Tyrone mm. this is fa- this, I'm just fan I don't want to be down in Tyrone all the time I don't want to be down in Galway just yeah. wake up yeah. lads smell the coffee you know <laughs> Mickey Hart's finally the penny has dropped let's get back on the Tyrone bandwagon <laughs> Yeah, like the Matty Donnelly one's interesting. Like they never seem to stick with it. They, they played their underage. Yeah, they tried him last year yeah. there for a while and never stuck and to we it. We got all right? excited last yeah. year as well. Like, <laughs> oh, this is the answer, and then they just bring him back. He's very important around the middle. But yeah, if they can sacrifice him, they really should be looking like to do that because like Richie Donnelly didn't really work inside for them. Not in the big games. No, I don't think he so. He played well through the qualifiers, uh, but he could still win ball in the big games. But then against, what do you do when you win the ball? Well, Matty Donnelly wins the ball. He's never standing still. Like, do you know where some big lads win it and they just invite contact or asking to be, like, hit? But Matty Donnelly wins it and he's always moving and he's driving into somebody or popping it off. And it's just a different sort of sort of notch of quality up there, like, you know, alongside Peter Hart. But I just hope they stick with it and I have a feeling they won't be going away. Well, I hope they stick with the it. I really hope. Because, like, I mean, this is a totally new position for Matty Donnelly. Well, no, he's played there underage, but the game has changed so much. He needs to learn this all over again. But when he played underage, he might not have had sweepers to deal with. He needs to figure out where do I make my runs along with Mickey Hart who wants to tell him obviously if, if Mickey Hart does that one-on-one coaching this is what I'm expecting from you this is what I want from you I'm going to give you six, seven games in there to do it mm. and Maddie Donnelly needs to go home after, after every training go home after every game sit down, think what worked today what is, what is my identity in there am I going to be a scorer maybe Am I going to be a purely ball winner laying it off to lads? Probably. Do you know what I mean? He yeah. has to realize where where am I making most of my runs from? Where am I making them to? All these things. Yeah. Like I mean, yeah. you have to ha- define your own role in your own head because 
Uh, any position I played on, I had, you, you almost have to figure this out for yourself. What works for me? Yeah. Managers don't coach you. Let's yeah, be honest. Yeah. How many times were you actually coached by a manager too much yeah, in, into yeah, yeah. a game plan? You have to figure this out yourself. And it's not as if it, there's a prototype for every position either. Like, do you know what I mean? My, my, I think, I think this, I think it can work with the two lads inside. But my, my thing would be, and especially with Dublin uh, this weekend, is the ball getting into them in the first place, and whether Tyrone yeah. are going to let the ball in early enough, or whether they're just going to run it. Because just going back to when Mayo played Dublin against uh, Mayo played Dublin Crow Park a few weeks ago, Mayo had zero presence in the half forward line and then any ball that was going into the full forward line was under pressure it was coming from too far out there you're and gone. then we had no runners off yeah. it so if you're going to put Manny Donnelly and Peter Hart inside are they going to be fighting for dirty ball do you know like th- off that's out going to, to the be wings, serious yeah. pressure yeah that, that, that's the thing and like that, like for me for, for Maddie Hart and Peter Hart or Maddie Donnelly and Peter Hart to work inside for Tyrone it just requires a completely different change in mindset from the way Tyrone play like does this mean that they're suddenly going to become this do you know total football kicking the ball in early are they going to continuously run the ball as they've done in the past? So I think it can work, but I'm 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 holding I'm holding out until I see uh, the whole game plan needs to change. Yeah. And this is the thing, and we've analysed this to death, and I don't see it the penny dropping enough without a half forward line. The two men, say it's Maddie Donnelly and Peter Hart left inside, right? There'll be a sweeper standing right in front of mm. them because of the way Tyrone played. They'll be giving that up, right? So they're standing inside. There's a big gap. So where can where can you run to get the ball? The only place to run is the two wings. Mm. What good are you doing out there? Mm. So you get the ball out by the wing, by the sideline. You're too far. You can't even give it to a runner because what does he have to do? Loop outside <laughs> the yeah, field to come in. Again, yeah. They can't run at angles off you because there's no angle from the wing. So, like, I mean, your whole game plan of having two fellas inside there is a waste of time because the initial one, the fella that needs to break to the wing, is the fella on the 45. Yeah. When he breaks to the wing, there's no panic with that because he turns and then he looks for clever diagonal balls into your two men in there. Like, I mean, that's just, it won't work without. <laughs> and I'd actually go so far as saying, I've said this two years ago go two men on the half forward line have to do the break into the wings let them break to the wings but the two men inside absolutely should never run to the wings that's not what yeah. you're there for mm. you need to one go first and pull the sweeper and the other lad look for the ball in the scoring zone like yeah. I mean this is obvious so unless we see Tyrone joining up all the dots yeah. you mm. are, you're probably are wasting Maddie Donnelly yeah. remember, remember the Leinster final I need to stop using that example because Leash got well beaten in the end but it, it made it look so simple in the first half it was one Kingston on the 45 kick it to him he won it he's a ball winner and another Kingston inside kick it to him he won it he's a ball winner Yeah, and it was just so simple like yeah. they just won it and won it and I remember James Horan's first year with Mayo like Alan Dillon religiously held the 45 yeah, yeah, and made yeah. runs left and right so he never allowed allowed that huge gap to develop yeah. he just didn't Gallon Dillon wasn't, doesn't want to go back there now yeah. but if you pick three lads with an appetite for that and getting the easy handy ball then your disconnect is there and then Mayor you know what I mean yeah. like against yeah. Dublin you have to have a man and the thing about staying on the 45 is it's a feckin' hard job because you're constantly having mm. to break and make those hard runs and often those hard runs are taking you to not glamorous places like yeah, the wings yeah, yeah. and you're basically doing an awful lot of donkey work and even if you get it at the wing and you can't kick it in by the time you get it to the wing someone will be up in support pop it to them and then let them give it into the two you know you're doing yeah. a really difficult job J- or Jason Doherty does it too yeah, when, yeah, he, when he needs well, yeah. to and yeah. it's a tough bloody job yeah. and you, you know you have to analyse it well to actually be able to spot him because yeah. he'll give it into Andy Moore and he'll score and be like Andy Moore's brilliant 
where he did, where he did had nothing without Jason yeah. Doherty yeah. and that was the that was the role Doherty played against Kerry against in Croke Park. Everybody yeah. should go back and watch that game again. Yeah. Just like this ball winning masterpiece from from Jason Doherty and like he didn't like he, I don't did he score much? He just won all these dirty no, not balls. It, but then I remember talking about they put Tyg Morty on him specifically in the replay because yeah. as soon as the whistle blew, Tyg Morty kind of started at him. They yeah. had a bit of a row and Jason Doherty went on to have another brilliant game. But Andy Moore scored one five and play that day yeah. because mm. Jason Doherty was winning the. Oh balls. yeah, because <laughs> the gap was bridged yeah. and Andy Moore was making the clever runs close to goal yeah. and getting good ball like I mean that was the big thing um, we'll have to move on here we're getting sucked into a Mayo uh, Mayo <laughs> chat here now even though we started with Tyrone <laughs> is there an hour forward in Mayo um, Kerry versus Mayo we'll, we'll <laughs> this, is, this is my type of show <laughs> we'll focus on Kerry here boys because the big news is that Clifford's back in the mix right so here we are we've Clifford we've uh, Paul Ganey and we've Tommy Walsh Mickey Hart exactly thing three little small men don't work three big men don't work because I'll tell you three three lads won't work because none of these three fellas want to make that hard break and none of the three of them want to, want to be the one that plays out in front these three are all deep lying full forwards so I don't think all three of these can play in a full forward line together your dynamic won't be won't be what it should be who's breaking first you really want the whole and Kerry have a working half forward line now mm. you know so I can't see how three of these lads left inside I'd like to see it first before I rule it out <laughs> that it can't work I think yeah because I, I was jotting down some of their options and I think Peter Keane will definitely stick with the two wing forwards like Dara Moynihan and Gavin O'Brien Michael Ganey and Johnny Lyon come in there as well like, and they might play that Sean O'Shea obviously stays Michael Burns will be back soon Yeah, Michael Burns is another one so Sean O'Shea stays at 11 and then I th- obviously Ganey and Clifford have to play so I think it's between James O'Donoghue Walsh and Stephen O'Brien for that last spot yeah, and yeah. probably and going to be O'Brien O'Brien and O'Donoghue at least offer that break out towards yeah. the ball because yeah. when you break out towards the ball you're bringing the sweeper with you because the sweeper will usually go for the, the obvious that's what the sweeper's there for because when you look up Right, the obvious ball is usually what the sweeper will try and cut out and a lot of teams then are not good at the less obvious ball like the diagonal ball or whatever and that's what the sweeper probably can't cover but you need someone there to engage that sweeper early mm. doors and I'm not sure any of the does Gini want to make a break knowing that that's not really taking himself out of scoring uh-huh. zone knowing that that's just going to be taking one for the team and if he doesn't if he does get it out there potentially have to take on a man you know he, the, none of those three I think it's it's unbelievable for Kerry to have those three options I can't see the three of them playing in the same team So, so who loses out or do you like decide on the game do I you think, decide yeah. that, like maybe Tommy Welsh will suit Dublin because we want to let direct ball in and Yeah now he's Tommy Walsh here's something that I, I think this has been slipping into this is her, Tommy Welsh is a is a <laughs> Kilkenny hurler as far as I'm concerned Tommy Walsh is a Kerry footballer but now they're starting to call Tommy Walsh Tommy, Tommy Welsh Welsh. <laughs> Welsh is a hurling name Welsh has no business on the football I, show. I think I said Walsh there even though Welsh we pronounce it Welsh back in, back in May as well all Walsh's Welsh's Welsh, are, yeah. really Welsh, yeah, yeah. what if Tommy Walsh's name is Tommy Walsh you would just call him Tommy Welsh <laughs> how do you know it's different like what, what, how do you you know Sometimes there's an E after the after the H at the end. I don't know does that affect the pronunciation. Walsh, but it's sometimes yeah. spelled like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because I'm confused about this. It's Tommy Walsh, right? But anyways, <laughs> listen, we're we're moving away <laughs> now. Um, right. So that's all we have for Division One, lads. I'm not sure how much time we have here because Division Two is really heating up as well. Clare play Mead, uh, Cork play Donegal, Kildare play Tip, and Armagh play Fermanagh. Fermanagh, interestingly. Um, are obviously flying high but they've got two disastrous games left they've, they're away to um, they're away to Armagh and away to Mead now they could get lucky if Mead beat Clare this weekend Mead will be through already so that could see Fermanagh through if they beat Mead away but like I mean they have two difficult games Armagh away won't be easy but 
uh, having said that Armagh's style of a kicking game will feed right into mm. Fermanagh's uh, tactics mm. as well and while Armagh might be a difficult game for Fermanagh to go away to uh, arguably Fermanagh will be Armagh's most difficult game Yeah I suppose it depends how uh, because Armagh look against Donegal they lost but they look a lot smarter and a lot more solid and like I think Hall and Vernon on the in the wing forward spots is perfect because they can get back up the pitch as well as get back and tackle aggressively so I don't know I was sort of thinking that Armagh because Fermanagh do still like commit men forward when they have uh, the ball yeah, no, when, like, they have the when they ball, have the yeah. ball yeah and like they're trying not to give it away and I think if Armagh can turn it over which I do believe they can because they're big enough and physical enough then they can kick it then the yeah. boys can maybe free themselves up Jamie Clark can come into his own and arguably from kickouts is probably where Armagh might get a little bit of a little mm. bit of joy yeah. Armagh are 8 to 15 favourites I wouldn't have them 8 to 15 favourites James Morgan's appeal failed and they have a lot of injuries as well I'd worry for Armagh against it in this one against Fermanagh Fermanagh 2 to 1 um, outsiders I always have to laugh when when you talk about Fermanagh and Rory Gallagher we keep talking about this and oh we'd be beaten by 15 points if we didn't play like this and oh look we're making the most of the resources y- you know like I mean Fermanagh made the All-Ireland semi-final in 2004 and should have beaten Mayo in it yeah. um, went to a replay, replay. What about the resources then? Or did they have to play like that then? They had some fantastic uh, forwards uh, back then. And they made the All-Ireland quarterfinal as recently as 2015. Playing a modern style of football, mm. but absolutely not a Black Death style of football. Tomás Corrigan and Sean Quigley were absolutely 100% forwards and one or two more. They got plotted and off by Dublin. Plotted off. They, yeah. I think they scored something like 2-15 against push, Dublin. Pushed Cluxton Park. over the line. That's right. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> Tomás Corrigan did. Tomás Corrigan yeah. and then celebrated it. I think it well, Tomás Corrigan got a goal that day as well yeah. and celebrated it all that when they were losing. So yeah, that's why yeah, he was yeah. slagged off. But this is, this is the thing. And like, I mean, why this narrative has to surround Fermanagh that they're useless without putting all their men inside the 45 I completely disagree with that they're mm. a bloody good team Fermanagh and absolutely should not be told that without playing this extreme you're useless like it's yeah. or you'll be beaten by 10 or 15 yeah. points like I mean why? <laughs> it's only no. when you watch some of the highlights and like you see Kieran Horrigan just swinging it over the outside of his boot yeah. and Ryan Jones bombing for it and Owen yeah. Donnelly comes off the bench and you're like Jesus like Connell Jones like and they've McCusker who's utility yeah. like Aidan Breen like I mean they've a whole load of yeah. good top, yeah. top level division 2 level players so they wouldn't be beaten if, now I don't want to repeat myself again but anyways and there's proof that without playing like this they have reached all Ireland semi-finals and our quarter-finals so like I mean that's that put to bed you don't need to play like that and, and the other good thing funny thing about Rory Gallagher I'm going to get him on the show because I want to challenge him on this because this is his answer for everything Rory Gallagher oh well our, our resources for man are a small county and you're getting the best out of the resources and I'm just working with what I've been given he managed Kilcar who were a sensational team and played yeah, this yeah. way as well <laughs> yeah, yeah, he had yeah, Donegal yeah. playing this way Rory plays this way anyway yeah. like I mean yeah. stop this poor man Fermanagh act and stop telling Fermanagh that they're no good if they don't play like this because there's actual recent history that they can yeah and you can be critical of the way they play like just because that like Rory Gallagher might go on about resources or whatever that doesn't mean that you can't be critical or that you have to admit that you you can admit that you don't enjoy this style of play as well and just looking they've they've 52 points I think scored after yeah. five games I think it's the lowest across all yeah. all four divisions like like fair play to them listen there their defensive obviously is the best their defensive of course, record yeah, yeah. Um, there's no doubt division three then lads so like I mean there's an awful lot up for grabs here as well down play Carlo away 
and they have Loud at home so you'd imagine Down should go through as group winners then it's between Westmead, Loud and Leash I would imagine anybody else is out of it Leash have Offaly away and Carlow at home that would get them to 10 points they'd have to hope that Westmead who have Loud away and Longford at home which you know they could drop points to Loud away um, you know Loud have Westmead at home and Down away look there's Westmead, Loud and Leash have all I would say very close to equal opportunities of joining Down who you'd imagine are true at mm-hmm. the bottom it's all heating up as well so it's between Carlo, Longford and Offaly to join Sligo you'd imagine Offaly are favourites to go down they have Leash at home Sligo away now if Sligo away who Sligo have been a disaster that if if you're giving them that win that would get them to five points, mm. equal with Carlo. So Carlo have a nightmare the last two games. They've down home and leash away. Arguably two of the stronger teams in the division. So like, I mean, are Carlo going to get more points than five? Can Offaly get, you know what I mean? That yeah. win against Sligo gets them up equal with, with Carlo. Longford are on five points. They've Sligo away. They, they really should be able to get out of trouble. Then they've Westmead at home. So, like, I mean, probably between Carlo and Offaly on, on that basis on who goes down um, in that division. Yeah, well, and Carlo might be looking at what's going to be tough, but if they, if they can win their last home game, then they're back in their promotion, I reckon, and they're yeah. a point off down then if they do that. If now. they beat down this weekend, they're on seven. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah you'd fancy Westmead, Louder Leash to get more than nine. You I know, think so. One of those three teams will get more than nine. They're not, Carlo are not in the promotion mix. Like, I mean, don't get be fooled by that. They're absolutely in a relegation uh, fight, but could easily get out of could easily get out of the relegation fight. They might even be out of the relegation without even having w- to win the last two games. Yeah, like if, if 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 uh, if Leash beat Offaly, that's pretty much them them gone, is it? Like I know they've they've Sligo last, but just just judging by the other results, Offaly will still be on three going into the the final round of results. So it'll take a lot for them to still stay up. Yeah, so Offaly Offaly would come up level with Carlo on points. Actually, Offaly beat Carlo. So if you if if Offaly can beat Sligo in their last game and Carlo lose their two games to Down and Leash, then Offaly stay up I mean, and Carlo go down. Miracle for Miracle for Mohan, there you go. So like there is an awful lot to play for in that Division 3 at the top and at the bottom. There is a huge amount to play for at the top and the bottom in Division 2. We didn't even mention the bottom where Cork, Tipperary, Clare. So Cork have a nightmare. Donegal, home, Armagh away. They're, I'd say they're as good as Down. Tipperary play Clare in the last game. So you'd imagine the winner or the loser of that should do enough to keep themselves up because even no matter what happens this weekend say if Tipperary win and Clare lose Clare will go two points ahead of Tip but then if Tip beat Clare in the last game they win on the head to head so the head to head in that last game is going to determine who goes down there it looks to me um, in that one Armagh could be dragged back in could be dragged back into that as well yeah I think Armagh will be there only on four points there's an awful lot kicking yeah, off here lads I'm, this is I'm, really a day for a soccer Saturday style <laughs> with all the permutations <laughs> to go through and there stuff. is and Division 4 obviously as we said uh, has been locked down so that's it right we're going to be back on the Bank Holiday Monday and we'll do a review of all the weekend's actions club and inter-county so we'll talk to you then good luck Yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a f***ing shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f***ing houses for f***ing years. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.